0: Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you receive a blessing from this program. Please join us in person this Sunday for Bible study at 930 or our worship service at 1035. We promise that you will receive a warm welcome. For more information or to watch our services live, please visit our website, gpnd.net. Let's join our service already in progress.
1: Everybody join now. Lord, you are holy. Since then I walk in forgiveness All of my guilt was erased The chains of the past are broken at last I got saved, oh I got saved I'm undone by i done by the goodness of the Lord I'm restored and made right He got a hold of
2: my life i got Jesus, how could I want
1: more? Nothing but goodness I've tested and tasted your grace I was so lost till I fell at the cross and got saved, oh, I got saved. I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone, undone by, by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I got Jesus, how good I was.
3: We me. I'm on my way. Now the sun is shining.
1: hands that I must trust. I'll have no fear, for Jesus walks beside me. sheltered, safe.
0: just want to teach something. Uh, first of all, for all believers, and then something prophetically. Somebody asked me a question. I want to try to answer it if I can. And uh, just something from the scriptures. Uh, this is for believers uh, so that we can uh, grow in our journey that we're taking. And I wrote some things down that I thought that were important for us to always try to maintain and keep on pressing forward for that. Number one, read the scriptures. Uh, Read a chapter a day, whatever it may be. Remember the scriptures are inspired of God. That means God breathed. Uh, God breathed through man what he wanted man to write down into the scriptures to where we have an infallible, inerrant Bible, the word of God. But also God's word is preserved. Uh, That means it's God kept. He not only breathed it, but also he keeps it. That's why we can say it's God's Word, because He has preserved it. Now, who we here at the church, we use just the, the old King James Version Bible. And uh, there's a lot of people going to a lot of these new versions, but it twists and changes a lot in the Scriptures. And we don't believe you should be changing anything of God's Word. And so there's many reasons why we hold to that. Uh, from a historic context to a textual context, on and on it goes. But the good old King James 1611, not the new King James, the King James 1611. Now, I know some people use other versions. I'm not saying they're bad people, okay? We just here are going to stick with the old King James Bible. And when you go to it, just have an open mind and an obedient mind. And you'll learn a lot if you go that way and just trust what God says. The second thing is talk to the Lord. Uh, That's your prayer life. Uh, That's your intimate time that you spend in fellowship with God. And when you do that, you can sense your closeness with God in a better way. And uh, so take time each day, bow your head and your heart and have a talk with God. He's the one who saved you, loved you, going to take you to heaven for all eternity. He wants to hear from us, amen? And then the third thing is attend church faithfully. Uh, Go to a church where they preach and teach the word of God. Uh, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can't get enough preaching. I don't care what they say. Uh, Faith comes, it's generated through the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. Then the fourth thing is fellowship with other believers. Uh, You need to be around other Christians who are trying to live for God also. And you'll find out real quickly in a church that a church is not perfect. Uh, You have different levels of Christians in a church. And try to get around those who call on God out of a pure heart. Uh, Those are the people you want to try to be around. And it's critical who your best friends are. I mean, it's critical. Who you run with will determine how you try to live your life. And so get around somebody who loves God, not perfect, but loves God who's trying to live for God. So fellowship with other believers. It's such an encouragement to be around somebody who's going in the same direction, right? And uh, that's don't create a cross pool. Those who go in that direction, you want to go this direction. And then also, number five, get involved somewhere, somehow, in church. Have a servant's heart. And when you get involved, that helps keep your faith as a priority in your life. Carol and I have been part of the cleaning team here. Of late, my team tries to clean it before we get here anymore. They're trying to... They're great. We, I have a great team. We've been here now uh, cleaning this church for 14 years. We clean every Saturday. And uh, we could use another couple. And if you like to volunteer, step up to play. It's a commitment. Don't want you to come and be a meteorite. Come and shine, and then all of a sudden don't see you again. But it's a commitment, isn't it? And we're the ones who have to wipe after your dirty fannies on these seats. Amen. <laughs> hey, And we sweep them and sweep them and spray them. We do everything to try to get the place. We believe the church should be a testimony for Christ. And uh, you can get involved doing something, cleaning the kitchen or helping with some way. And uh, part of that involvement is a life group. Uh, We're getting ready to start life groups. I think it's September 13th, something like that. And we're getting ready for those to go. If you don't belong to a life group, try to find out where they are. Uh, There's nothing better than getting in a small group. And we have the Bible lessons already. You'll have a syllabus that, you know, you can go over the lesson with the group and uh, you can learn, but also you begin to fellowship with other Christians to encourage each other to keep walking for Christ. And your involvement should be an investment. We don't make any any apologies. We expect each person who comes to our church to give financially to our church. Uh, that's part of the, the, the territory. The first thing that comes out of my check, Carol takes it every, my check, she takes it all every week. <laughs> but the first thing that comes out is our giving. That's the first thing. And we trust God with the rest that we'll have enough for the rest of life. So uh, God's never failed us. Uh, he honors. And when you invest financially, that is a determined that's one of the great battles a Christian faces. Rather, it's manna, money or heart. Are you going to give your heart? If he has your heart, you'll give your money. If he doesn't have your heart, you'll be stingy. I mean, Is't that true? And so uh, get involved in that way. And then number six, begin to invite, or to share your faith in Christ, you say, "Well, I'm kind of nervous about doing that." Well, just tell them how you were saved. You know, find a few verses that backs that up. 1 Corinthians fifteen three and four would be pretty good. Ephesians two eight and nine, Titus three five, Romans wrote whatever. But find out how you can share. This is how I became a believer and this is how you become a believer. And if you're soul shy, invite them to church so that they can hear the gospel and be saved. I mean, all of that comes together. And when you do that, your faith becomes more real and it creates an excitement and fire inside your soul to see how God's going to work in other people's lives. And then number seven, understand, it takes time, it takes experiences to grow in maturity. It doesn't just, boom, you give it a little time, boom. Oh, it didn't work for me. You know, uh, it takes time and experience. And I, I understand that sometimes you don't even understand some of the sermons that I preach goes right over your head let me just say that's okay at least you're in the process you're in the building <laughs> you know maybe later that will click with you but I believe this with all my heart even though you might not understand what I'm preaching about I personally believe that even then there's a spiritual cleansing there is a a faith building of the word of God that's going on inside of you, even when you don't grasp it yourself. I believe there's something of being in the sound of truth that begins to sink into the soul. You are clean through the word. Thy word is truth. And it has a supernatural spiritual effect on you, even when sometimes I might be teaching on something that you don't quite grasp yet. You know, you have to stay at it. That's where your growth comes from, right? And so that's so important. Now, that was my introduction to my message because you probably won't understand my message today. (laughs) So as a result of that, don't get shook up. That's okay. You hear it. You get a little. You'll hear it again down the road. You get a little until finally it begins to make sense. So today, just real simple, I have some verses. Uh, Jeff Lovins came up to me. And he asked me about the male child of Revelation chapter 12. And he asked me about that. And he says, what do you think that means? And uh, I gave a few little answers of that. So I've come back and i put something together that I hope that I can answer that. Now, it doesn't change your life in a big way today, but truth is always truth. And truth has seeds that goes into one's heart. Amen? Revelation chapter 12, verse 1 through 5 says this here. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And it's talking about Israel. And she, being with child, cried travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon. Who's that? That's Satan, okay. Having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head's And his tail drew the third part of the stars. That's actually third part of the angelic host of heaven. And did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, Israel, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. That's called the man-child. And these events, if you study the context, take place during the middle of the tribulation. That's three and a half years in the tribulation. Tribulation, seven years. So at three and a half years, these events begin to take place. The people on earth are about to experience the final three and a half years of the tribulation. And the final three and a half years of the tribulation are called the Great Great Tribulation. Why is it called great? I thought tribulation was bad. Now you got great tribulation. Well, verse 6 of chapter 12 and following says this And the woman, Israel, fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days, three and a half years. And there was war in heaven. This is the second heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought, and his angels, the third of the angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place in the second heaven found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out, now where was he cast out? And to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren, the Jews is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they not loved not their, own, their lives unto death. And that's, that's good there, okay? He says, therefore rejoice. He says, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth. You see, the reason it's going to be great tri- tribulation there, Satan and his angels, they lose their place in the second heaven. They lose their positions of governmental authority in the second heaven forever. Satan is angry. He's enraged. He's wounded over his defeat in heaven. He also knows this at that time that he has but a short time left. Because that takes place at the middle of the tribulation, three and a half years, he knows he only has three and a half years left before Jesus returns to battle him. He knows his time is short. Satan will give his full attention to those on earth and demonic activity on the earth at that time will be incomprehensible. Great tribulation. It will be pure evil trying to eradicate the woman, Israel, who has fled. Notice Revelation 12, 6 again, if you would. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her. There are 1,260 days. And so we see Israel in the tribulation. I believe this happens right after the abomination of desolation where the the Antichrist stands up and says, I'm God. I'm your Messiah. And boy, they take off to the mountains, the wilderness. And God will supernaturally take care of, of that group who flees to the wilderness. It will be a place of safety, protection for the Jewish people there. Satan comes after him like a flood, but God sends his own flood against them. (laughs) And so God protects them there the last half of the tribulation. Now here's the question. Revelation 12, verse 2, and she being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And she brought forth a, what? Man-child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and so on. And he was caught up to God. So the question is, who is this child? That's what most people say, Jesus. The most common answer, it's, about Jesus Christ's birth and his ascension, being caught up. And you ask yourself, well, why do they say that? They say, well, he's of the woman, Israel, and he's the son of a Jewish carpenter, right? They say that he will rule all nations with a rod of iron. It says that. And he will be caught up to God in his throne. And the Bible teaches that. However, let me answer this. John says something that's interesting. First of all, the fact of Revelation 19, verse 14 and 15, And the armies which were in heaven followed him, Christ, upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. It's true, at the end of the tribulation, when Christ returns, that's going to happen. However, at the beginning of the tribulation, just in its its early stages, Revelation chapter 2, verse 25, But that which you have already, hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Do you see that? There will be Jewish believers who overcome the reign and deception of the Antichrist. And those who do that, God promises them, these Jewish believers, they will be rewarded in the kingdom by helping to rule over the nations with the rod of iron. The Jewish believers, they will share in Christ's rule under him. So it's not exclusive to only Jesus Christ ruling with a rod of iron. If you remember, he told his disciples in Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, and Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, that's in the kingdom, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes Of Israel. So God's going to share this ruling with the Jewish people and his followers. After the rapture, after the dispensation of grace ends, here we are, time passed, Israel, but now the body of Christ, ages to come, Israel again. Today we're in the but now, the dispensation of grace. Okay, that's where we are today. So what I'm talking about in Revelation, it's the ages to come. It's the tribulation that goes into the kingdom. And you come to Revelation chapter 7 and you find there that God gives a parenthetical insert, a little insert that has added information. In other words, he's going along telling what he's going to do, But then he pauses and he puts an insert and he gives you more, a revelational truth to what is happening or taking place. Then he'll go along again and then he'll stop and he'll give another insert that gives you a better understanding of what's taking place and what will happen. So Revelation chapter 7 is an insert and it looks back and gives that added information to the beginning of the tribulation. And it identifies those who will stand as God's messengers those first three and a half years, along with the two prophets. Revelation chapter 7, verse 4 and 5. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, And there were sealed a hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed. And on and on it goes. Here appears that's going to begin be at the beginning of the tribulation a hundred and forty-four thousand These are not Jehovah's Witnesses, amen? These are from the 12 tribes of Israel in the tribulation. They probably, since the body of Christ is raptured, they have to have somebody proclaim the kingdom message to Israel. They possibly could could have been saved through the two witnesses, the two prophets of Elijah and Moses or whoever the two prophets are, but they get saved. These 144,000 Jewish men, virgin believers, are sealed by God for identification, for protection, and preservation. The seal that God places on these 144,000 are visibly seen on their foreheads. It states in chapter 9, verse 3 and 4. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. Boy, that's going to be an unbelievable time. Unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded then that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither I- any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. So we see there that God puts a seal up on these 144,000 and nothing can touch them. Huh? Nothing can get to them. You know, it's just like the Antichrist. If you don't receive the mark of the Antichrist, you won't be able to buy or sell. But if you receive the mark of the Antichrist, you can never be saved. Going to be a crazy time, isn't it? A crazy time. Now, the question is, and somebody said, by the way, what is the mark of the Antichrist, the mark of the beast? Well, personally, it's like the spot of a leopard. And if you ever look at the spot of the leopard, it's like lips. A kiss. And as a kiss, The feet of that statue in the temple, there's going to be a mark of a kiss placed on their forehead. That's for another time. What is the seal, the mark of on their foreheads? Chapter 14, verse 1. And I looked, and lo, the Lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 140 and 4,000, there they are, having what? His Father's name written in their foreheads. That's going to be the mark on these 104. They're going to have the Father's name up on their foreheads. Revelation 14, 1 again, if you would. If, if you notice there, this is important. In chapter 14, the scene changes from earth to heaven. The lamb there stood on Mount Zion. That's a heavenly Mount Zion. The Lamb has not descended to the earth yet. So this scene here is in heaven. And who's there in heaven? The 144,000. Chapter 14, verse 3 through 5. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders and no man could learn that song, but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women. They were virgins. And also the immoral religion of that day. For they are virgins. These are they, whithersoever the follow of the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb, the throne of God. Where is the throne of God? It's in heaven, right? That's where they are. Now just follow me here. I'm going to draw this to a conclusion. Here in Revelation 14, the 144,000 Jewish believing men at mid-tribulation are caught up to the throne of heaven. They are the first fruits of a coming harvest from the nation of Israel who are redeemed and they will be allowed then at the end of the tribulation to go into the kingdom. James 1.1 1, 1 says this here. James 1. James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the Who? To the body of Christ? The twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. greeting, Verse 18. Of his own will begot he us, the twelve tribes, with the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. You see, all the way from Abraham and the Old Testament and the four gospels and them, people are waiting to be raised, and to go into the kingdom. Here you have these 144,000 are being privileged. They're already in heaven awaiting to go into the kingdom on earth one day. Again, note Revelation 7:5. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000 and so on and so on it goes. The one verse says, The woman fled into the wilderness, but the man-child was caught up, right? That is not the rapture. Now, don't miss this. It has nothing to do with the body of Christ today. Revelation 7 and 14 are talking about the 144,000 Jewish virgin men who will be saved and start preaching during the first three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation period. And will they be successful? Chapter 7, verse 9 says this, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne, before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Multitude that cannot be numbered because these 144,000 the first three and a half years will go worldwide. Find Jews first and then Gentiles. But they will have to die for their faith. That's why they're robed in white and so on. They didn't make it through the trib. So don't miss this. The 144,000, this group is the man-child of Revelation 12. It's not speaking about Jesus Christ. The man-child, as the woman is Israel, the man-child is this group of 144,000 who will be used the first three and a half years of the tribulation. And then they get to go to glory at mid-tribulation. Israel, the woman, will give birth to a group of men preachers. The man-child, 144,000. After the tribulation, Christ sets up his thousand-year kingdom, government. All of this is future. And it's not referring to the past in regards to Christ's birth or his ascension. And by the way, I have four minutes to go. (laughs) Just to remind you, as all this goes together, the Antichrist will hate this, that he can't touch these (laughs) 144,000. He does the others, but not them. Just remember who the Antichrist is. Who is he? Biden. Who? Who said that? I'm kidding. <laughs> here's to you. I'm kidding. Just remember this for all you newcomers. At Armageddon, here's his nationality Armageddon, Isaiah 30, verse 30 and 31. And the Lord shall cause his glorious voice to be heard and shall show the lightning down of his arm with the indignation of his anger. This is at Armageddon. With the flame of devouring fire, with scattering and tempests and hailstones. For through the voice of the Lord shall the Assyrian be beaten down with smoke with a rod. Who's the Antichrist? The Assyrian. When Christ returns to earth, Micah chapter 5. And this man shall shall be the peace when the Assyrian shall come into our land and when he shall tread our palaces. Then shall we rise against him seven shepherds and eight principled men and they shall waste the land of Assyria with the sword and so on. Notice back when Pharaoh took over, who did not know Joseph. It states in Isaiah 52 and verse 4 For thus saith the Lord God, my people went down a fourth time into Egypt to sojourn there, through then Moses, right? And the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. The type was already being set. God uses him to burden Israel during the tribulation. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 5 and 6. I'm about done. O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger and the staff in their hand is mine indignation. I will send him, the Assyrian, against a hypocritical nation, Israel, and against the people, the Israelis, of my wrath will I give him a charge, to take the spoil and to take the prey, to tread them down like the mire of the streets. As my hand hath found the kingdoms of the idols and whose graven images did excel them of Jerusalem and of Samaria. Well, it's supposed to say something else in verse 10, didn't do it. The last one, the Assyrians' end. Isaiah 14, 25 that I will break the Assyrian in my land, and upon the mountains tread him underfoot. Then shall his yoke depart from off them, Israel, and his burden depart from off their shoulders. So at the conclusion, when it seems like Antichrist, the Assyrian, is winning, Christ takes him down. Amen? That's our lesson today. Now, if that just went over you, that's okay. Who's the man-child? 144,000. Okay. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of being able to study, and uh, may it challenge people to get in their Bible, to look it up, to find it for themselves, and may it really help them not be confused when they have these Prophetic people who come on TV and say this and say that completely out of context. Thank you that we're living in the day of grace, the dispensation of grace, the mystery body of Christ, and we're going to come up to be with you soon. And after three and a half years, we will be joined by these 144,000, and we'll see them then. And what a joy that will be. Bless the people now in Jesus' name. And everybody said? We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.